Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody, welcome into it. This is the Porch, a Volquest baseball podcast. Every single Thursday, right here on Volquest.com and Volquest on the YouTube channel. Please like this video; you know it. Subscribe to the channel if you're a baseball fan. This is the podcast for you. Everything Tennessee baseball every Thursday here at Volquest.com and on YouTube. And couldn't be possible without our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem? Let them help. Let them help you find a solution. T and trial lawyers who uh, specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury with over 80 years of combined experience. It is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Big shout out to those guys for making all of this possible. All right, guys, it's a big week for Tennessee baseball. I mean, it's a huge week for Tennessee baseball. We know it. I've written about it. We talked a little bit about it on the other uh, podcast here at uh, VolQuest.com. Uh, we talked about it on Monday Night Chat, Tuesday during the midweek. This is a huge week for Tennessee baseball, and so we're going to get into a lot of different things here. We're going to we're gonna hear and, and see Tony Vitello here on this podcast uh, here today. I pulled some comments uh, from him after Tuesday's game, and of course, later on Thursday, there's going to be a, a media availability with Tony Vitello again prior to the Texas A&M series, so we're going to hear a lot from Tony. Uh, but a couple of different talking points and things that's kind of drawn from him meeting with us after the game, 7 nothing win over Western Carolina on Tuesday, and, and that we can kind of discuss leading into the Texas A&M series. Because as we know, guys, I mean, the Missouri series, it was a disaster, and I don't just want to continue to hound on it, but starting pitching, awful. Bullpen, eh. Uh, defense, atrocious. Hitting, non-existent for the most part. I mean, Tennessee was outscored, what was it, guys? Um, it was like 26 to six on the weekend or something like that and, and two of those runs in game two of the series came when the game should have been over because the center fielder from Missouri just dropped a fly ball on the warning track and then Zane Denton comes up credit Zane Denton for hitting that two-run home run driving in Blake Burke who reached third on the on the uh three base error but I mean the offense was just kind of non-existent and um the passion it didn't seem like was there what, what's troublesome the, the most is the starting pitching got rocked and uh, you know, I'm going to talk to Luke about a lot of those things. And, and um, you know, as far as the starting pitching is concerned, I, I had a couple conversations. I put this on the board Tuesday night after the game, but had a couple conversations with people around the program. And they don't think anything mechanically is up with Chase Dolander right now. Understanding his starts have not been great. The starts of his starts, the beginning of his starts have, have not been really good, specifically in the first inning. I made the note on the board. He's given up 12 runs so far on the year, seven of which have come. Uh, in the first inning, which is not ideal. And, and Friday at Missouri, Chase Dolander, he never got settled in. Um, I really think that you, you got to start relying on those secondary pitches because hitters in the SEC are good, you know, and hitters in Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball are going to be good. He's got to go back to that slider. Um, Chase Burns let the one-two fastball right over the heart of the plates. Um, you know, Luke 
points out that some of Chase Dolander's struggles came from uh, you know, pitches on the inner half, you know, on the inner on the uh, inner half of the plate that were fastballs that you just got to mix some things up a little bit. Um, and, and then with Drew Beam, I mean, he he his struggles began, I believe, in the third inning, if my memory serves me correct. And you know, he walked the leadoff man, and then uh, you know, the the runner reached on an error, a throwing error on his own, right? So he ended the game giving up, I believe, four or five runs. None of those were earned. He didn't have great defense behind him. None of these guys had great defense behind him all weekend long, but. Uh, th- that's the troublesome thing for me is, you know, as bad as Tennessee can look at times, and I know we overreact, but lineup's not as deep, defense is shaky, but you still have that starting pitching you can hang your hat on because you know those guys, uh, you've seen those guys pitch so many different times, and I'm not I'm not out on those guys. Um, it was really weird that all three of those guys had really bad weekends all in the same weekend. I'm not out on those guys. I've seen those guys do what they do plenty of times before, you know, all last season and, and parts of this season, so... I'm not out on those guys, neither should you guys, but how they respond and the entire team responds this week against A&M is going to be, it's going to be huge. But anyway, I had some conversations about the starting pitching. They can't see anything, you know, mechanically wrong with Doe early in those games. He's been sick for two of his five starts so far this season. Everybody is amped up to play Tennessee and, and that's, uh, that goes a little bit way, especially at the start of baseball games. Um, so I, I think there's been a couple combinations why Chase Dolander starts first innings haven't been that great um you know I, I I pointed this out on the board as well I, I think the mound Tennessee really struggled with the mound at Missouri last weekend as well and that is not say that's not to say that it was the reason Tennessee sucked all weekend that's not the case but the mound was sitting up higher off the dirt than uh than, than what they're used to I guess is what I'm trying to say that's the reason Cannon Sewell was pitching on the complete side of the rubber, and he and the umpire got into it when he came out of the bullpen. He was like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw on this mound. It's pathetic. I'm not gonna throw on this rubber. I'm gonna go over here and scoot off the the rubber as much as I can." So that was kind of what that was about. But I mean, anyway, you want to spin it, it was it was bad. The offense wasn't there. The defense. I mean, Maui couldn't catch a routine fly, a pop fly. <laughs> um, the outfielders were very very slow in misjudging some some balls in the gaps um, all weekend long. Christian Moore had an error that. Would have got Tennessee out of the inning by just catching a, a simple flip from Maui at the at the bag at second. So I- anyway, there, there there's a lot to you know unravel, and we we spend enough time on that. But I, I'm more intrigued to see how Tennessee responds. Well, he came to the ballpark on Tuesday, and he saw this lineup. The only regular was Blake Burke hitting three. You know, everybody else was either you know a, a platoon guy or a, new to the mix. I mean, Tears and Dryling and, and Scott were in the lineup and tears and drowning gotten a lot of ABs here recently, but I wouldn't say that they're ironed in as quote unquote starters. Um, you know, C Scott's been in the mix an awful lot. Cal Stark was, was batting cleanup, right? I mean, he's played a lot, but like for the most part, this is a very funky line. Ethan Payne was out there, you know, playing third base. Um, it was, it was an interesting lineup. You had Austin jazz love. You had uh, Jake Kendro in that lineup as well. And I tried to ask Tony after the game, kind of what went into that. And, and he started, kind of answering the, the lineup thing, but also he kind of morphed into Christian Scott and, and kind of that outfield conversation and why he went with Christian Scott to get that start. Here's Tony Vitello uh, on the start of Tuesday. Why it was a funky lineup and a little bit of uh, of Christian Scott? Uh, just just kind of an instinct or a feel. Um, we even had one change late just due to some circumstances. And when you know what, Christian Scott was the, the late kind of swap out, if you will. And that's kind of how it works sometimes. And uh, you like to see guys take advantage of their opportunities, but really guys like, you know, Kendro, C. Scott, for the most part, when he's been engaged in the outfield, we want him to be, you know, a coordinator out there when he's out there. 
uh, they've done well with their opportunities, but you guys have seen it. We've scattered them about and uh, trying to get the right pieces of the puzzle there. And, and we've said it and the theme hasn't gone away. It's something that's gonna take some time and, and some repetitions. Unfortunately, it's come with some lumps so far. Hopefully those are limited from here on out, but I truly feel like we're making some progress. And if anything, guys can look at the internet stat sheets, which have some value and see that the sample size is starting to stack up. There's, there's guys who can say they have experience now. Christian Scott had a really good game. What do you do with those opportunities? He's gotten plenty of opportunities so far. He and Kyle Booker both. And at, at times, as my dog jumps off the couch over here and shakes my whole uh, my whole platform here, sorry, sorry for that if you're watching on YouTube, uh, but at times, you know, he hadn't done a whole lot with it. He's got an incredible glove. He's really fast in the outfield. Um, he's, he's fast on the base pass. But, I mean, going into Tuesday's game, he was hitting 182. And that just, you know, that just can't fly on an everyday basis. But have we reached the point for Tennessee to where – you need defense so bad in the outfield. You need a quarterback back there at center field. You need Drew Gilbert defensively. Have we reached that point in time to where you might see C. Scott out there at center field? And then against the left, you might see Hunter Inslee. And that's a straight platoon, you know, for the for the time being. I think that might be an option for Tennessee. I really do. Christian Scott has played in two of the last four games, making starts in center field. As someone close to the program put it to me earlier this week, I think you just need to take your lumps with him at the plate. You just have to have him in the field right now. And, and I would have to agree. I know Sam Smith earlier this week kind of asked me in the chat, you know, what do you do with that outfield? And, and I think I think a, a great possibility might be platooning Scott and um, Inslee in center field for right now and then just trying to fill it in. You know, you got tears in right field. You got Merritt out there. You got Dickey out there at points in times. And so I, I think that's kind of kind of be an option right now. More on Tony Vitello, Christian Scott from Tuesday's game and, and kind of what he needs from Scott and what the team can benefit from Scott when he's out there. Yeah, it's up to him. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat it, but uh, we're, when I grew up, well, I hated Bobby Hurley, but uh, Wojciechowski, I think, is on TV now. I mean, Duke was really good, and I liked Kenny Anderson for Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I was rooting for a lot of other good point guards because I thought I was a point guard, which I was. I turned out I wasn't, but we're, we're looking for a guy who can, you know, quiet the crowd or pump up the crowd or point out where guys need to go in particular in center field. And who better to do that than a guy that's been in the program for as long as he has, a kid that everybody respects. He's smart and he's really athletic. Um, he just needs to kind of allow himself to do that more like he did tonight. I mean, that was a tough catch he made right there. And you could see him directing traffic out there. So uh, that's what's required of him on the defensive end. Base running has always been outstanding. He's a threat at all times because of his speed. And then during BP, not that I'm Nostradamus, but he took that same swing that he hit the homer on in BP. BP was very effortless. And, um, you know, the, the kid's got a lot of passion. When he tries too hard, he kind of ruins his swing. And uh, when he's fluid with that swing like he was tonight, it's pretty good. Uh, but, again, anything he does with the bat is, is a bonus because he gives us something we don't have defensively and on the bases um, with some other guys. And I think that last thing right there, that Tony said Tuesday night's post game after Tennessee's seven to nothing shutout win, the sixth shutout of the season, mind you, of Western Carolina. Anything he Christian Scott does with the bat is a bonus because that because he gives Tennessee something they don't have on the base pass and something Tennessee doesn't have in the outfield. I was critical critical of Christian Scott and the Boston College loss because he didn't take charge and catch that fly ball that landed between Moore, Griffin, and him, kind of in the Bermuda Triangle and shallow right center field. Um, Moore called it the whole way, 
But that that's that's book that's Booker and or Scott, whoever's out there in center field. That's their job to go and get that ball. I mean, there was a play like this, and Luke will reference this later in the pod at Missouri when when Dickey called off Scott in center field. No, you need a quarterback. You need a captain back there. And, and he made two catches on the run in shallow left center field, and I think one just right behind the second base bag on Tuesday night where it was his from the get-go. He called everybody off, and he went and made those catches, utilizing that speed. And I think that was, that was big. So not only did he show up defensively on Tuesday nights, he was one for one, a solo home run, got Tennessee on the board, its first hit, its first run. He walked twice, stole two bags, and he scored three runs. So anything he does with the bat in his hands is a bonus. They need him on the base pass, and they need him in defense. So, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Tennessee, I think you're going to see a whole lot of Scott in center field platooning with Inslee a little bit and just trying to make it work. That does not mean that it's going to be one of those two guys from here on out every single day in center field. I just think... You're going to see more of that moving forward because I think that's kind of an option. What's another option for Tennessee to try to get all those jigsaw pieces together and, and, and trying to trying to figure out what works? Well, in a game where Tennessee was up by a lot as a midweek game, um, they brought in Jared Dickey from the bench. Obviously, he didn't start. No starter outside of uh, uh, Blake Burke started that game. Brought him off the bench to catch some, to catch behind the plate. And I'm going to be real with you guys. I mean, I understand that he caught and fall a little bit before the hand injury. I understand you've seen him catch a couple of times in 2021, but um, after the injury and over the offseason heading into when these guys started coming back to campus, I was sure to have told Jared Dickey will not catch. You know, sure, he's an emergency option. Sure, he still rubs back there, but Jared Dickey will not catch. They want him, his leadership, they want his bat in the field, and they think that the best, you know, that his best piece would be in the outfield. And so I was surprised when he went back there behind the plate, but should it be that surprising coming off a, a weekend where nothing went right at Missouri and you're just trying to figure it out? I think that move just goes to show like, hey, they're willing to do whatever they can. Now, does this mean Dickey will be the starting catcher moving forward? No, it does not. Does this mean Dickey might grab a game behind the plates in the best of a three-game set? Yeah, I think it does. I think you're going to see Dickey being an option behind the plate now because Chuck... He handles the staff so well. He does such a great job. He's just he's just not giving you anything of the play right now. Cal Stark got off to the hot start in Arizona. He homered on Tuesday. That was good to see, um, but the in-between was not great. But there's still more potential. There's still more promise there with him with the, with the bat in his hands. Uh, maybe there's an effort to get better defensively, get more bats in the lineup. If, if you have Dickey behind the plate, again, I'm not saying that that's going to be from here on out. I'm just saying that's on the table now. And I think if you see it this weekend or, or next week or whatever, don't be shocked because I do think they're trying whatever they can to make this work. Ask Tony Vitello after the game. Jared Dickey behind the plate at catcher. Here's what he had to say on that move. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good back there. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of tried a bunch of different things, but we haven't necessarily tried that yet. There's maybe one other position player that we've talked about maybe doing something with, but... Um, I think it was a good spot to do it. We didn't ask him to start, catch a full nine innings. We didn't catch, ask him to catch the ninth with the game on the line or a real tight score. And he was able to get out there and, and looked really good at doing it, to be honest with you. But um, the pitchers have a lot of respect for anybody that puts in all the work to play that position. I'm probably speaking for every pitcher in the country, I would hope. Um, but when he's back there, he's kind of like a kid in a playpen. I mean, or maybe a pig in a pen. Uh, just kind of slops around and, and has fun back there. And uh, I think it's a, uh, a good component for us to have on the catching side with the other two guys. 
Well, I mean, he's going to have to do more than just slop around and have fun back there. I mean, he's 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 going to have to be able to command the snap. He's going to have to be able to throw out runners on the base pass. Um, with all due respect, this does not need to be an Evan Russell situation all last season. Uh, so, you know, that's an option. Um, I was surprised when I saw it on Tuesday after digging around and asking some questions. I, I think that's on the table moving forward. I really do. Uh, not just an emergency catcher, but an option at catcher for Tennessee moving forward as they try to make some things work. So, uh, huge weekend coming up, Texas A&M. You look on the schedule ahead, you're at LSU next weekend, back home for Florida, at Arkansas the next weekend, and then at home against Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a tough, tough stretch coming up. It is not do or die. It is not panic mode time. But I think this is close to as close to a must-win series as you can get. you got to grab two or three here. You got to get back on track. You got to win a series. Stack series win on series win on series win. That's what makes a good baseball team. Um, you can't afford to lose a series, in my opinion. So I think we're going to learn an awful lot about this team. The bounce back, the fire. I think you're going to learn about what it's the, what the starters, the trio, the big three, if you will, how they respond, who's in the outfield, what's Jared Dickey's role, what's C. Scott's role. We're going to learn an awful lot about this team this weekend. It's it's coming at a price, too. Texas A&M is a pretty good ball club. Top 25-ranked team. Think coming in at number 22 this week, maybe 21, somewhere around there, um, according to D1 Baseball. Took uh, or fell uh, two of three uh, at LSU this past weekend. They did get one, which was big for Texas A&M. So it is going to be a challenge. 6 o'clock first pitch, 6.30. 6.30 first pitch time on Friday night. Noon Eastern, ESPN2 game on Saturday and then 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday on the SEC Network. So a big weekend coming up for Tennessee baseball. What does Luke Lipsius think about what happened at Missouri, the midweek game, all that and more? He is coming up next as you listen to The Porch right here at VolQuest.com. Hey, we could not do this. This, pos- this uh, podcast would not be made possible without our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Examples of which include DUI, homicide, assault, sexual offenses in state or federal courts, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, personal injuries such as car wrecks or accidents. With over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation through state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. The the practice has been in place for over 43 years with this partnership forming uh, in 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of uh, Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, but they're going to help you wherever you are here on the East Tennessee landscape. The firm has, has been awarded multiple times who has attorneys rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you were injured in a car accident, whether you need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are here to help. That is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Uh, Find them in person, 142 Cherokee Street up in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call today for a free consultation, 423-245-4185. Again, a free consultation, 423 245-4185 or visit them online at spiveykingandspiveyllp.com spiveykingandspiveyllp problem let them find a solution tn trial lawyers of course we're talking baseball here tennessee baseball on the porch podcast but you guys know it it is a special time 
March Madness, Tennessee in the Sweet 16. Hey, coming up tonight against FAU. The madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot, score big over at my bookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on the eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, my bookie has got you covered. Getting started with my bookie is simple. Visit the website, make your first deposit, use that promo code VOLQUEST to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. That's promo code VOLQUEST to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands of prizes for March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Luke Lipsius coming up next on The Porch. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Luke, man, um... Quite a few things to talk about here today. I kind of set the table leading into our interview with the first part of this podcast, but uh, just a, a disastrous weekend. Um, it happens. Sometimes that's baseball. Sometimes it's cruel. Um, and, and again, I, I'm not one to be overly negative, but I'm also not one to sugarcoat it. I'm, you know, and, and correct me if, if you saw something differently. But in that series against Missouri, literally nothing went right. Starting pitching, bullpen was eh. Um, defense was atrocious. Lineup was, I mean, you got one hit on game two of Sunday, you got three hit on Friday. It was just bad any way you want to spin it. Have you ever encountered anything like that in your career? Um, and if so, kind of how did you respond? How did your team respond? Like what's there to say, you know, on that bus, on that plane, leaving Missouri? Yeah, so the the two examples that I could give that would closest – uh, to emulating what happened would be Kentucky of last year, which I think everyone could guess. And then a midweek game against Charlotte in 2021. And so what happened this past weekend, um, you know, you could say Friday night would be one of those anomalies. Um, that's what I would compare to Charlotte, you know? So we went into Charlotte. Um, I think we were ranked at that point and we were like, okay, let's go beat them. Uh, they're not that good. We can do it. We go in there, first inning, we're getting some hits, we score a run, and they absolutely curb stomp us. It ends up being nine to one. Uh, I don't think any there was a hit from us from after the second inning. And so on that bus ride home, we almost just laughed it off because it happened. We were there's nothing we can do about it now. Let's go ahead and get the next one. So that's what I hope the mindset would have been on Friday night, you know, they got us, they got to our guy, nothing went right. You know, even the game starting off with a dropped fly ball, you know, the win there isn't easy, but you practice fly ball communication for all this kind of stuff. Um, even on Thursday night, you practice at their field doing this stuff. And so that's when you go home, laugh it off. Hey, come back ready to play tomorrow. What alarms me and what separates this situation from any other one, you could say it's like Kentucky, uh, but even so those games were a little bit closer the lack of fight there was from the boys scares me. And I'm not one to be alarmed, especially this early in the season. But if you notice trends and their negative trends, then that's something to, to keep in mind. And so that's just one of those things where no team that I've been a part of 
has lost that badly and not come back and at least uh, looked like they were into it, you know? And so you can blame it on the weather. You can blame it on this, blame it on that. But I think it, when you, when you boil it down, it's, they didn't want it that much. Um, and so hopefully, uh, like you said, this Tuesday game, um, or like you mentioned, this Tuesday game put some of those egos on hold and maybe on the back burner. Um, but yeah, as far as my experience, nothing quite as bad as that absolute butt whooping that they received this weekend. But having said all that, again, you even you even mentioned and so have I. I mean, it's it's still early. Now, you said you, you're seeing some trends, and that's alarming, and I and I agree with you. But it is still so early, and we know how much talent is on this team and this lineup, even though it's it's not as complete as what we've seen the last couple of years. There's still a lot of talent in there. Um, how if you're if you're in that clubhouse and they, and they came back, we'll get to Tuesday's game here in a moment because you know what a, what a, you and I were texting what what a, what a message was sent there mm-hmm. by TV. Um, but if you're in that clubhouse, kind of what's in your mind? Are you saying okay, we're good, we're good, we're good, or is there some is there maybe like a all right, we got to get this thing going or we might lose control um, because everything's still in front of you. You can still host and all that, but like you shouldn't even be thinking about that right now. You should just be thinking about a and m a and m a and m. Yeah, correct. And so that's what scares me the most is, is there that person or that group of people that's going to get them back on track? And just from what I've been hearing, um, the way things were kind of last year, maybe not. And so you just hope that there's going to be a person or two or three or hopefully the whole team that will eventually make them realize like, hey, we got to play for something like we are way too talented uh, we have way too much support for us to co- fall that fall short of expectations. You know, there's there's something to be said about falling short of expectations, but um, losing in that fashion, that's not OK. Um, and so as far as the locker room goes, I know me, Russ, Redmond, we would have whipped them into shape. However, do they have that presence Um it's someone's going to need to step up. And I, I think that eventually, especially with, like you said, the statement being made on Tuesday, somebody will start to step up. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Luke, you played in some cold weather games before, and I think we, I've slept since then, but I think we might, we might have even spoke on it last week heading into the Missouri game, but you know, I'm hearing a lot of people and I'm seeing a lot of comments like, oh, well, I really do think the weather played a factor. And like, don't get me wrong. I mean, the weather sucked and, um, and all that, and sure, Missouri practices there. They didn't play a lot there in the early portion of the season, obviously, because it's not great, but uh, they're used to that. Um, but so was Tennessee practicing in East Tennessee in the in the offseason. But having said all that, the win was the same on Friday night, and Sunday actually was a really a gorgeous day, you know, after you, you got past the snow on the warning track to begin the day. Um, in your estimations, man, I mean, how, how difficult is it to play in the cold weather? And, I mean, honestly, did the, did the weather have any effect on – uh, did it ha- did it play a little role into it? Because obviously it wasn't the main reason why Tennessee was was so bad. Yeah, and you know it, weather always plays a factor. But uh, you practice for like you said, you're used to it. You get that Thursday practice out of the way, so by game time you should be more amped than you are thinking about the weather and more ready to play than you are wishing that it was warmer. You know, there's there's this stuff that goes on in your head. You're like, oh, it's cold. It's really cold. I hate this. But your will to win, your will to play trumps all that. And so at the end of the day, you are just going out and playing. Now, like I said, Friday night, sure, chalk it up to weather. But you play a doubleheader on Sunday, the weather is nicer. 
there's it's where the excuses stop, you know, and and I remember on that 2021 team, which I think was the toughest men, the men, mentally toughest team that I've ever been a part of whenever it rained, whenever it was cold, whenever this, whenever that our mentality was good, like make it tougher. We want it tougher. Don't make it easy. And, um, you know, I thought we instilled that into the young kids. But now that, you know, hindsight's 2020, looking back on it, maybe we didn't raise uh, enough younger leaders that we should have um, to get that mentality across that, hey, it's going to suck. Fight through it, you know. Tuesday night comes around. And again, you know, Tennessee beats up on non-conference opponents, you know, for the most part. Um, it, it it dropped two out in Arizona. That was quality competition. Uh, played a Power 5 opponent in Arizona and a, and a respectable opponent in Grand Canyon. Sure, it dropped the midweek against Boston College. But again, like, I mean, you know, t- Tennessee, that was a bullpen game. They threw their horses, but it was still a bullpen game. It was what it was. Um, but you come back in here on this Tuesday and you, and you get a 7 to nothing shutout win, and that was great. But the lineup... Completely different. Blake Burke stayed in there and he hit three, but I honestly felt like they're they're just trying to get him out of his slump right now after starting off so hot. But um, sure, you know, Tears was in there and he's kind of a regular now. Drowling's in there, he's kind of a regular now. C. Scott was in there and he's been in the mixture. But I mean, there was there was very I mean, you know, quote unquote starters. There was one in there. Um, you know, what a message sent from Tony Vitello and he kind of said at post game he was like this just kind of a hunch kind of felt like I needed to do this. Um, but when you saw that lineup card, kind of what was going through your mind and I felt like it was the right move for Tennessee. Cause you could afford to do that against Western Carolina. Yeah, 100%. Um, I saw the lineup and of course I was shocked. Like I'm sure everyone was, but then you're like, all right, this makes sense. Um, and I absolutely love the move from Tony V showing that, yeah, you guys are good, but you're, you're dispensable. We can input all these other guys and they're still going to do Uh, what you can do. And they're going to do it with a little bit more passion too. And so I just hope that the message is accepted from the, the everyday players that, Hey, um, okay. He's put in these so-called backups. Let's just call them the young kids and they still performed. Uh, Maybe it's time for us to turn it on. And so I think that is, uh, I, I think this, as far as the season goes is a pivotal time. It's the time for the starters to either, accept that they're going to underperform or pick it up and say, Hey, like I get what V's trying to do. Let's all lock on same train and let's go actually win some games. Like we know we can. Um, but then as far as the lineup, I love it. I love that they produce too. You get um, these young guys, some experience, you get them a starting role. Um, even if it is on a midweek, it's great for them. Um, and then CC Scott perform. Love that. I thought there was one specific play, um, on I think it was a f- second game Sunday where C Scott was in center. There was a pop fly and C Scott, it was for sure his ball and Dickie called him off. And at that moment I was like, well, there goes your chances of maintaining that spot. And so what we see from, and what I mean by that is knowing Tony V he's all about leadership, uh, doing what you're supposed to all that. And so uh, he, you saw he got pulled out of the game might've been a pitching thing. However, um, I like to see C Scott back in on Tuesday doing what he can and showing that, Hey, maybe he deserves a, uh, concrete role in this lineup. Yeah. We, uh, we, we heard from Tony Vitello on Tuesday night and I played some of this earlier in the podcast, kind of on the decision to, to do the lineup. And that kind of morphed into a, a Christian Scott conversation. He was like, I was just watching take BP and I'm like, all right, I'm going to put him in the lineup. It's just, just kind of a hunch. And, 
Um, arguably his best game, one for one, couple of walks, two stolen bags, three runs scored. And more importantly than that, kind of what you were saying, he took ownership at center field. There was that play against Missouri that you brought up. There was one against Boston College two weeks ago where if he would have just said it's my ball and, and caught everybody off, maybe you limit two runs being scored and all that. He says you just need a coordinator out there, and, and Christian Scott is a guy that can do that. And so I think moving on um, – and I still think that there's going to be some experimental phases and all that. And, you know, we saw Dickey get some some innings behind the plate. Um, I, I think moving on, you're going to see almost maybe a platoon of Christian Scott and maybe Hunter Inslee in center field moving on. And I, honestly, I'm fine with that. As someone described it to me this week, it's almost like you just got to take the lumps. And, he, and Tony even said it in, in the video, anything C. Scott gives you at the dish is a plus because you need him on the base pass and you want him in the outfield. And the way Hunter Inslee's – you know, hitting for the right side against Southpaws, I think that might work moving forward, at least just kind of see what's happening there. I completely agree. Uh, you see Tony B in the past loves to pull the righty-lefty righty matchup cards for those guys that aren't, let's say, solidified. Um, and so I think just having Ensley, who's proven that he can hit against for when there's a lefty in and he can play defense, and then C. Scott, who has proven how valuable he is in this lineup to this team, not only defensively, but offensively, you know, creating runs that I think B would be, feel very comfortable platooning them based on whatever the pitcher dictates. Um, and then, of course, if Ensley's playing against uh, a right-handed pitcher, you still got C's got to come in, in the later innings um, or vice versa. But, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head going forward. I, we should see C. Scott playing a little more and with that platoon of Ensley, which I absolutely love. And again, I mean, I'm, I wasn't on the team last year, and uh, you know, I, I didn't cover the team on the on the game by game basis last year. But I just, I just didn't think that that was going to be a thing this year. Um, and, and I was wrong, and, and that's okay. And knowing Tony Vitello loves Christian Scott, he loves that guy, and he wants him. To, he wants everybody to succeed. He wants Christian Scott, Scott to succeed. I just didn't think we get to a point in the season where you're talking about Scott being an every down guy, and and, and that's good. And um, you know, I think I think we're going to see some of that moving forward, at least in the platoon role that we just spoke on. I want to go back to starting pitching. And here's the thing, too. Like, with, with the lineup questions, gosh, with the defensive questions, too, you still had the three horses of the starting pitchers that you can hang your hat on. Um, they got rocked in Missouri. Uh, Doe got rocked for four more in the first inning. Of the 12 runs he's surrendered so far this year, seven have come in the first inning. I asked if they thought there's anything up mechanically and, you know, with, with him starting out games and, and they can't figure anything out. They just kind of say it's a combination of things. But Doe got rocked. Burns didn't have good defense behind him. He didn't look his best. Beam actually didn't give up an earned run, but, you know, walking and, and having a throwing error of his own really contributed to his downfall. How do those guys respond? And I think it, I think that's the biggest, biggest takeaway. Like, that, that's the biggest thing I'm looking for this weekend. They have to respond because Tennessee has to have good starting pitching to overcompensate for some of the other questions that uh, that, that are presented? Yes. Yeah, so what I've noticed in my career is the dogs on the mound will, for the most part of the season, have great success. And then there is one or two games mixed in there where they get hit around a bunch. Now, it's very odd that it all happened on the same weekend, but moving forward, in my mind, they've gotten their, let's call it a goof start out of the way and that they can just focus on now being the dog that they are. With that being said, I thought that they didn't pitch that badly as the scoreboard dictated. I felt Hurts like, had 12 strikeouts. 
I was about to bring that up. Burns, 12 strikeouts in five innings. Who does that? It's just every other non or every other ball that they hit was a home run, you know, or whatever. Um, and so with that being said, so even Dollander, that first inning that he gave up four straight extra base hits, they were all on the same pitch. It was an inside fastball. And so at some point after the first two, you're like, all right, I got to stop throwing that. Um, you know, that could be just a frank, um, I don't want to say ego thing because I know he doesn't have one, but, you know, if he keeps on calling that pitch over and over again and they keep hitting it, what are you supposed to think? You know, Dolly's the one just taking the sign. Um, but as far as that, credit Missouri because they came out ready to play and their offense was not scared one bit. Um, and so, yeah, he gave up a big four spot in the first, so did Burns. But as a pitcher, you want your offense to at least come back uh, maybe not score five, but score one or two just to settle yourself a little bit. So you don't feel like you're on an island out there, literally, where if I give up any more runs, like we are screwed. And so I think, like you said, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but as far as stuff goes, I thought that they did that. It wasn't that bad. You didn't see many walks from from Friday, Saturday. Now, being walking a bunch of people, he'll need to to figure that out a little bit. But moving forward, I think they go with with what they know they can be. Um, and I think we'll see the success that we're used to from them moving forward. It's got to get that slaughter back, man. Um, cause you're exactly right, man. And Burns too. Burns left the one, two fastball right over the heart of the plate, gave up a two run Jack. Uh, but for Dolander, I mean, there's some good hitters, man. And he'll, he'll be, he'll be a top five pick this summer. He'll be in the majors and that's awesome. But there's some good hitters in the Southeastern conference mm -hmm. and you can't just overpower everybody with that fastball. Exactly. Um, when you see all three of those guys just have those goose-like starts that you mentioned all in one weekend, it's very uncommon. So, and I talked a little bit about the mound and, and conversations I had with uh, with some uh, members close to the program uh, earlier in the podcast. But a lot of people are going to say, "Well, is Tennessee tipping their pitches. Is Tennessee giving something away?" I'm not saying did you pick up on that, but in your playing days, how common is it to where hitters in the dugout pick up on some things and they can just kind of go to town? Because again, all three of those guys were just really struggling throughout the weekend yeah well tennessee as a whole i think is very paranoid of people picking up pitches because if they know our pitches that's one of the only ways it seems like you can beat us uh, but now that's why they implemented the whole wrist thing you just have to look you can't give an actual sign so if there was any pitch tipping it would be from the glove and so when they come set when they go to throw it that's when the the pitch would be tipped and so as a hitter, I never liked to know what was coming. For one, I would get too antsy. And then for two, I would be focused on something else besides the pitcher before the pitch was coming. And so if they were getting the pitches that way, then kudos to them because that is extremely difficult to do and execute like they did. Uh, with that being said, you see that there was something wrong and they were on everything. So you want to say maybe we were tipping pitches. What could be the cause of that? And so I think you'll see if it is something within the glove, you know, showing it off to second, um, that there will be a change made this weekend, maybe where they're twisting the glove here from the stretch, whatever. Um, I think we will see those slight changes. But um, I was talking to some of the guys. They said that Missouri was working on uh, trying to get their pitches, uh, the whole practice leading up to it. So, Maybe it was that, maybe it was some other thing. I think we will see maybe some little changes like that, especially knowing how paranoid Frank is about uh, tipping pitches.
Yeah, and and we've seen so far it's pretty good sample size. Some pitchers use the wristband, some don't. Um, so you know it's kind of a it's kind of a mixture there. And I would imagine a lot of that's probably on comfort. Um, I would imagine if I'm if I'm a pitcher and I've I've never had a wristband on, I probably wouldn't want one on. So exactly, we'll those pitchers are creatures of habit. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Hey, when you look at Texas A and M, um, I know that it's it's a different team from last year and everything. It's top twenty five team. They just went down to Baton Rouge. Uh, they they did get one, so they weren't swept. But uh, this is a major major series for the, for Tennessee. Um, I don't want to call it must win because again, it's so early. But this is about as close to a must win series as possible. Because you look at what's coming up next. You got LSU, Florida, at Arkansas, you know Vanderbilt. It, it's going to be tough. Um, what what about Texas A and M is going to be challenging for Tennessee? And kind of what do you expect in this weekend? Yeah, like like you said, I think this is a pivotal series. You know, it's it's funny saying that being so early in the year, but as far as coming off of getting swept, let's see what you guys got against a very good AM team. I think I saw that they dropped to 21 or whatever it is in the rankings. You know, rankings don't mean too much. However, I think that they are a lot better than that. LSU, the team and the environment is so hard to go in there and win any game. So the fact that they scraped across one means that they're a great team so they have from what i saw based on last weekend pitching was all right looks like they were around the zone they're gonna have some dudes uh hitting wise got a very solid offense filled with a few vets and a few a few new guys so you're gonna see your typical sec lineup you know they'll be able to power the ball they'll be able to hit for contact and then they'll have some dogs on the mound that, that can come after you um, but i'm hoping us being at home knowing what we can do with our talent it'll just be another sec weekend that we should be able to win. Who's going to be in center field for two of the three games? Who's going to be behind the plates? Um, what are those corner outputs going to look like? Tears, dryling, who's the DH? There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of pieces still, as Tony Vitello puts it, just trying to figure out that puzzle. And it's not all going to happen in just one series. And it might take a, a little while, but uh, still just trying to figure out what the best combination is for Tennessee. Luke, uh, fantastic job, man. Thanks so much as always, and uh, look forward to chatting next week, hopefully with a series win and an amped-up team heading down to Baton Rouge. Hopefully so. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Can't wait for next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.